Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode. When it's gone, never thought I'd see the light of day. Moving on, won't be coming back again. One thing that I tell everybody is that if anyone's struggling with mental health, it doesn't mean that you're crazy. And if you have to take medicine, it doesn't mean that you're crazy or whatever. It doesn't mean that if you have to see a psychiatrist or therapist, like it doesn't mean you're some wacky person. And don't forget, Will, tonight's episode is powered by SOAR. Shaping our Appalachian region. If you're an entrepreneur out there, especially in eastern Kentucky, check them out. Appalachia meets world. We are back. It's Will. And Neil. What up, dog? Hey, what's going on? Getting hot hey, down there? Uh, it's starting to cool down a little bit, you know? It's a little fall in the air, man. It's my favorite time of year. You but say that every episode now. Football season. Hey, I got to ask you. I haven't asked you this in a long time. Hasn't come up in a while. What's up with your chickens? They're in a slump, I think is what they call (laughs) it. No eggs? No eggs, man. (laughs) Mass production. What did you do? I thought I I thought you I thought it was like chickens for dummies. I thought I thought there's no way they wouldn't lay eggs. I think they're malnourished or something. Yeah, I I think it's the owner. I, I think it's my son. It's not me. <laughs> like he's dropping his responsibilities. Like he's got a lot of activities going on and, and he's just letting the chickens float, you know, like chickens don't matter. We don't need eggs this time of year. Yes, we do boy. <laughs> Eat them chickens. If they don't lay them now, they're not going to lay them later. He like goes out there every 15 minutes. You laid an egg yet? Nope. Okay. Not feeding you. <laughs> like that's early. Like dude, you got to feed them so they lay. My chicken game is really hurting right now. I'm at a loss. I've wondered. You haven't mentioned it in a while. The the chicken festival coming up. So, you know, I wanted to uh, see how your chickens were. Chicken festival, September 22nd, 23rd. It was about this time last year, Will. If you remember, they kind of just started laying. You know, now, maybe maybe it's like big news. Big news on the podcast. I know. I know. We broke it last year. Now it's like hurts me to think about the lack of production going on out there. Man, that's hard to hear. I'm disappointed. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe I should buy some more. Invest so in you some, can malnourish them too. <laughs> invest, invest in some better layers. I mean, is that what you do? Is there such a thing? I, I think so. I mean, that's that's what I hear my chicken friends say. <laughs> you should do some research. Gotta get a good layer, Neil. Gotta get a good layer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. I wanted to ask you also, I know you don't have time, but man, I can't get enough of this U.S. Open. I know I mentioned it before, but have you seen the Phenom Francis 
TFO. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I'm Is not that right. what you do? You you have time to watch oh, the man. U.S. Open? No, I haven't watched it, but I've oh. seen highlights. I, I mean, I want to mention this guy, not because he's running the table. I mean, he beat Nadal. He's now he in the semifinals. Have you heard his background? No. He's an American. Not. And, of course, an American hasn't won a major in, like, I don't know, 10, 15 years. It's his background that is just incredible. So I wanted to mention it real quick. So his dad is an immigrant. His, his mom and dad are immigrants from Sierra Leone. They fled during the Civil War. So when his dad gets over here, he started a job as a day laborer. It was on the construction crew at the Tennis Champions Center in College Park, Maryland. And when they completed it, he got the custodian position and they offered him a place to live. So him, his wife, and his two sons lived in an office in this tennis complex. Obviously, it's super expensive to play tennis in this complex, but they let his sons play every single day. And now, look, just because he had that opportunity, he's in the U.S. Open, in the semifinals, crushing it for the U.S., just given an opportunity, what someone can make of it. I just think it's an incredible story. What's his name, Will? Francis TFO. But, you know, we've yeah. talked about opportunity before on here and, and lack thereof throughout Appalachia and what opportunity can give someone, and I think this guy proves it. You said we've talked about opportunity. We talk about opportunity on here every week. <laughs> and That's true. You're right. I mean, given the situation, who knows? Who knows what child will grow up if given the opportunity to achieve? You know, that's really what it's all about is finding a way to give everybody that opportunity. So kudos to him. And I hope he continues on this streak. Anybody that beats Nadal is a champion in my book. I'm hoping he continues. And no, I'm not going to sit and watch the U.S. Open. <laughs> if he makes the finals, you have to watch it. It'll be on Sunday. Yeah. If he makes Deal. the finals, you have to watch it. And then we can Deal. talk about it next week. We'll talk about it on, on, uh, on our live cast when we talk about sports. <laughs> okay, sounds good. I, I do have some Appalachian news for you as well. Good, let's hear it. I got a rundown this week. There's a lot going on. Yeah. First, I wanted to mention the Mountain Association. You know, we, we've mentioned flood relief on every episode and we're going to continue to talk about it. But they have an update on their website. We'll put it in the show notes of all the stuff going on in regards to flood relief. There's a couple of exhibits going on. I wanted to mention them because they're a little different. So the West Virginia University Libraries, it's with the Art and Libraries Program as, as well as the West Virginia University Native American Studies Program. It's an exhibit of indigenous Appalachians is to increase awareness of indigenous Appalachians to the region's shared history. Another exhibit that's happening at East Tennessee State University, it's called Y'all Don't Hear Me, the Black Appalachian, curated by an East Tennessee State graduate student, Cranesha Whiteside McGee. It features artists, poets, and musicians from the 13 states throughout Appalachia. And it's over the next month at the Slocum and Tipton Galleries until October 7th. The incredible history of Appalachia and how obviously we're often in misunderstood region and how we have that background, that history, rich cultural history shared by Native Americans, Black Appalachians, as well as European immigrants. I just wanted to mention those two exhibits. I thought they were kind of cool. And if you're in West Virginia at the university, check it out. Also, if you're at East Tennessee State University, you can check that out. I wanted to mention a couple ARC 
programs. One is the ARC Ready Nonprofits program. They just announced 75 organizations that won entrance into the program. It's a capacity building program for nonprofit to strengthen their communities. Once they complete the program, they can actually apply for $25,000 towards a capacity building project. And so just want to say congratulations to the fall cohort of 2022. The other ARC program, they are actually partnering with the FCC or the Federal Communications Commission. It's called the Affordable Connectivity Program. Eligible households can get up to $30 a month towards internet. I think this is an incredible program that not a lot of people know about. I think they're doing a little roadshow to try to market the program, but... (laughs) So you can get $30 a month if you're eligible. You can also get $100 towards the purchase of a computer. And I did read that only 29% are currently taking part or using this program. And so that's leaving $900 million of funding on the table. So check this program out. Go to their website. Check it out. If you're eligible, definitely take advantage of this program. What's that website, Will? You can find it on the FCC website or the ARC website. The last thing I wanted to mention. He's got more. (laughs) Just so our listeners know, when you get done, I got some news too. Oh, nice. The Healing (laughs) Appalachian Concert. We already mentioned this before, but it's September 23rd and 24th. It's coming up. Tickets are on sale. It's put on by the nonprofit Hope in the Hills to combat the opioid epidemic and promote recovery. It's headlined by Tyler Childers and Margot Price. Definitely, if you're in that area, check it out. Supports a good cause. And I just wanted to ask you, did you see the Appalachian Rises telethon? It was last week. Uh, No, I didn't. It was at the Prestonsburg Mountain Arts Center, but they raised over $150,000 for flood relief. It had T. Graham Brown. It had Halfway to Hazard. (laughs) Tyler Booth. It also had, uh, I think, Winona Judd and Lee Greenwood had messages and sang maybe via internet or something. But uh, I just thought that was a worthy cause, obviously. But they raised quite a bit of money in the telethon in just three hours. Yeah, man, that's awesome. What do you got for me? Oh, okay. Well, Will, you, you mentioned all these great, wonderful things going on in Appalachia. And I just thought, you know, what are my two favorite things to talk about? Sports and sports. And food, Will. Food. Sports yes. and food. I mean, this Saturday in Renfro Valley. Yeah, the bar is the Kentucky Food Truck State Championship. What? Are you serious? Yeah, yes. This Saturday, September the 10th, is the Kentucky Food Truck State Championship. It's from 11 to 6, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. It's free admission. There's all these food trucks set up, and they crown a champion here at this thing. And the grand prize is $5,000, Will, to the winner. Whoa, that is awesome. So it's a few trucks all, all over from all over Kentucky? Yeah, and they have concert, day concert going on. They have an antique tractor show. They have craft vendors. They have an art walk. Seriously, if you're anywhere close to Renfro Valley on Saturday and you're looking for something to do and you like food like me, the food truck state championship sounds like a great place to be. So We know how you uh, love food trucks. Yeah. <laughs> now, Will. I do like food trucks. I just don't like how they're how they're governed. So I got you. That's a different topic. I wonder how they judge that. Oh, I looked it up actually. I was wondering the same. Apparently, there's these registered foodies, I guess is what they call them. You don't know it, 
but they're they're coming around as if they're staff of the event. All the staff have vouchers to get food from all these different trucks. So there's professional foodie judges, and they're the ones that that will vote on and select uh, the winner. They give more than just the grand prize, so they give out a total of uh, $9,000. They have a best truck theme. They have a best food truck spirit. They have a best dessert, best international dish, best American cuisine, most unique menu, the people's choice, best barbecue, and then, of course, the grand prize. That's awesome. Cool, I, love, man. I love me a good yeah. food truck. Rock Castle County, doing it right. Check out Rimpro Valley. You know, I mentioned the Hilling Appalachia, also the Appalachia Rises, these music concerts, and it kind of goes in line with our guest tonight. Singer-songwriter Corduroy Brown is going to be on the episode. That's his music that you heard in the beginning, and that's his music you'll hear throughout the show. And and it kind of also goes in line with last week's episode when we were talking about mental health. You know, he's really also, he's a singer-songwriter, but also a mental health advocate. Looking forward to talking to Corduroy, not just about his music and uh, how he comes up with his songs, but also about life experiences, Will. I know he's got several stories to tell, and I'm looking forward to this interview. If you don't listen to anything else on this episode, listen to his story from last year. It's an incredibly crazy, scary, but beautiful story. I was just wowed by what he went through last year and, and you know, lived to tell about. I won't give any more away. Just definitely keep listening to hear hear that. Let's get into it, man. All right, let's get him on here. Take a step back. say it's pretty damn good but it's not your typical Appalachian music sound when you think of Appalachian music. First I want to say his debut album as Corduroy Brown came out in 2021 let me know and he recently released a single called Medicine. He's also a mental health advocate, which we want to get into. And a lot of his songs deal with this struggle. I also want to mention he's a llama expert as well as someone who had a brush with death before getting a second chance at life and his love of music, which we hope to get into as well. So Corduroy, we want to thank you, welcome you to the show. Thank you. You're the first person truly ever to have acknowledged my history with llamas. So (laughs) thank you for that. Finally, somebody did it. As we get deeper into the show, we'll talk about llamas and, and my vast experience with chickens. So, uh, <laughs> okay. All right. All right. 
<laughs> yeah, Neil loves a good chicken story. But before we get started, we want to ask you a question that we ask all our guests. So like most Appalachians are big on history, Neil and I, our family is big on history as well, and our traditions. One of the traditions we have, we have appetizers at the holidays. We usually have this giant spread of appetizers, usually more than the actual meal. So we wanted to ask you, do you have a favorite appetizer or just holiday dish? Oh my gosh. Um, so I'm the world's pickiest eater probably ever. So I have the food pout of like a toddler base, which actually <laughs> doesn't sound right because toddlers are probably eat about everything. But I will say this. One thing that I, my mom has always made me for my birthday or holidays or whatever is this stuff called spice cake. I don't know what goes into it. I don't know what, what I don't, couldn't tell you a thing about it other than I love spice cake. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm a super picky eater. So I'm not like the, I'm like the guy that's like looking ahead at the menu when someone's like, Hey, like, let's go out to eat for lunch. And I'm like Googling the menu before you go. Cause I'm like, Oh God, well, uh, I'm not really the hungry guy. Sorry. If it's like someplace I'm not like, so that's, I'm that guy. You're that guy. Yeah. What's your go-to restaurant, man? I mean, man. if it's all basic, you gotta have a, a basic spot like in every town. So, yeah. I mean, I could basically live at Texas Roadhouse. Okay, um, okay. But there's also a, a place in Huntington called Night Street Diner that's fairly new and it's actually banging. I recommend that place anytime if you're in down on Huntington at all. I mean, like, Night Street Diner, they have the best burgers. You can get like breakfast and brunch kind of stuff. I mean, it's pretty freaking awesome. Shout out to Ninth Street Diner. We'll put them in the show notes. There we go. Corduroy, we obviously wanted to have you on, on the show for your music uh, and other details that I mentioned in the intro. But first, can you just let our listeners know about your Appalachian roots, where you grew up and your experience with llamas? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So those <laughs> definitely go hand in hand. So um, I actually grew up in Chesapeake, Ohio, um, right across the bridge from Huntington. You pretty much can throw a rock and hit Chesapeake. There's literally, uh, there were at 1.2 stoplights in Chesapeake, Ohio, but now there is one. That's how big of a town it is. Pretty sure my graduating <laughs> class had 90 some people graduate, uh, if that tells you anything. And that's just right across the bridge from Huntington. So if you're from Chesapeake, you're kind of from Huntington as well at the same time. It's just different zip codes, different, you know, taxes, basically. Been here my entire life, man. It's pretty wild to think about. Like, um, I always wanted to move away. I almost moved to Texas at one point, I almost moved to Tennessee. And I just kept finding a some kind of solace here. You know, I've kind of grown up here and got my roots down, but that's vacations and travel and all kinds of stuff for it to get out of this place every now and then. <laughs> Neil and I say it all the time that the, the, there's a little bit of magic in the mountain. No matter if you move away, they tend to draw you back. Oh, yeah. I mean, every time I go to a bigger city, I kind of like you have that daydream of like, what if what if I moved here? But then something about this place, man, it really is something about this place. Yeah. Every time I go on vacation, I'm like, I think I can get used to this. And then about three, four days in, I'm I'm itching to, to get back. <laughs> Corduroy, I, I describe your music as not your typical Appalachian sound, which I don't really think there is an Appalachian sound, but but when people think of Appalachian music, you know, they think of the bluegrass, they think of country, but I feel like, well, I actually, I know I've, I've heard you speak in the past, but you came to music lot of, like a lot of Appalachians do through the church. Was that where it all started for you, your love of music? Is that where you learned how to play, learn how to sing? I would say so. Yeah. I mean, like when I was a kid, I've grown up in church, you know, my entire life. I still play at different churches now. 
you know, there's no one in my family that's musical at all. I really, so I really don't think it was attributed to that. So it probably would have to be at church, you know, even when I was like a little kid back in like 2008 or something, maybe uh, my mom got me a guitar from a pawn shop called uh, Mac and Dave's. You know, I'd always just seen people in church play and all this stuff. And I was like, man, I just want to do that, blah, 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 blah. So started learning some like basic church songs. And man, you would have thought I was a freaking rock star playing a couple of just basic chords on the guitar. But that's probably where it initiated, man. You know, learning harmonies and learning how to do that. And so I definitely attribute, you know, even the music so, that I make now has some of those undertones in it, probably. When you say you learned how to play the guitar, did you have some professional lessons or something you had a buddy that said hey try this or how'd that come about there were definitely a couple friends that helped me get started but i mean for the most part even now I'll kind of learn by ear or it's like a blessing and a curse because I, I can't read music and not that i can i just have never taken the time it's just you know i can pretty much hear whatever's on the radio and you can just figure it out but at the same time i'm envious of people who can look at a sheet of paper and play it you know without even blanking so I never had formal lessons, but you know, you kind of, it's like, even when you're playing sports, like if you ever see like a younger kid playing in a, a higher grade, like he might be getting his butt kicked for a second, but like, you know, he's really learning so much. And that's, I always try to surround myself with better people. And that's just kind of how, how it went from there, man. You know, it's something that I'm going to be hopefully doing for the rest of my life. You know, I don't have to you know, be in tip top shape or athletic to play the guitar. So I think as much as you want to learn, it's out there, man. There's especially in in this area the music scene here is insane dude it's wild yeah we definitely want to get into that the huntington music scene and your music and and obviously we had you on the show for your music but another primary reason why we had you on the show was to talk about mental health i know you talk about that a lot you're an advocate for mental health a lot of your songs revolve around mental health we recently had a fellow West Virginian on the show, Elaine McMillian Sheldon, a documentary filmmaker talking about some of her films. But her husband, Curran Sheldon, just released a documentary. It's called Mountain Grown. But it's about masculinity in Appalachia and the idea around toxic mas masculinity. You know, Appalachian is kind of known for this masculine, independent culture where mental health is never, it's never really dealt with, much less ever talked about. Why is it so important for you to be an advocate for mental health, to talk about the issues, especially in Appalachia? Even on a deeper level, like, I don't know that I feel like I'm, let me take that back because actually I was going to contradict myself. I feel like that's just what I'm supposed to do. You know, it's as someone who has been fortunate enough to like always kind of have a lot of people in my life. Family was always well off, you know, I've always done well for myself. You know, like I'm not your typical candidate per se that you think of like, you know, someone struggling with mental health. I got good grades in school. Um, you know, I was always like one of the popular kids and I had all my stuff together, at least on the outside. Right. So what people didn't realize, like even back when I was in high school, I was self-harming a lot. And that's something it took I mean, almost 10 or 11 years of figuring out like, okay, dude, you should probably go get help. I just, you know, kind of realized that like, this is going to be part of my journey. And, and I don't feel like I'm me without mentioning it either with you guys or at shows or whatever. So, you know, like I said, back in high school times, back in like 2006, 2007, I started self-harming, started cutting a lot. And that was my primary form. And I found a lot more ways to hurt myself throughout time. You know, in 2017, I finally started taking medicine. I started seeing a therapist and it was just this unbelievable 
change of heart. And, and suddenly I had the tools to not rely on cutting to get my emotions in check. And one thing that I tell everybody is that if anyone's struggling with mental health, it doesn't mean that you're crazy. And if you have to take medicine, it doesn't mean that you're crazy or whatever. It doesn't mean that if you have to see a psychiatrist or therapist, like it doesn't mean you're some wacky person. Like it just means that there are chemicals in all of our brains. Sometimes those chemicals aren't lining up properly. They're getting, you know, situated the wrong way. Those chemicals start affecting your thoughts. Those thoughts start affecting your actions and those actions start affecting your habits. And, you know, at some point you got to start breaking up that chain. And, and, you know, we get to be on this earth one, twice for me now, but at least one time at a minimum, one time we get to be on this earth. And it's just like a com it's just become common sense for me. Like, why not? Like, why not try to get it together? We appreciate your advocacy and, and, and your music and utilizing your platform to talk about it, you know, like I said, in Appalachia, that's not an easy thing to do just from the sheer nature or, you know, culture that we have here. Is that where your new song medicine kind of comes from? I want to say, yeah, like it's a summer jam, man. It's great. But (laughs) unless you listen to the words, you know, (laughs) you don't put two and two together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've always really respected people who can write songs that kind of serve a dual purpose. Like on the surface, like you said, that song is just like, you know, let's dance, let's have fun, let's go crack a beer by the pool. Like medicine, in that case, I've always thought it, I wanted it to be something for everyone. It doesn't mean necessarily like the pills you have to take to get through your day or whatever to feel better, but I think that's definitely part of it. Medicine can be like the people that are around you or your hobbies or whatever fuels you to get you through whatever stretch of road you need to get on. So, but yeah, I think there was definitely some mental health intent behind that. And part of it was because, you know, after being out of the hospital last year, like I have to take medicine every day to like make my body work. <laughs> I guess I was kind of asking like, is it my things that I care about that's keeping me around? Or is it just the medicine that some days? And I think it's, it goes back and forth sometimes. You know, you mentioned it a second ago about getting one life on, on this earth, but for you, it's two. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about what, what you meant by that statement? Yeah, man. This time last year, I was still kind of getting my feet back under me uh, in March of 2021 or early April sometime, whenever the heck that was kind of a blur still at this point, but ended up getting COVID in like January of 2021, a month and some change goes by, go to the hospital because I'm throwing up and my lymph nodes are swollen, I feel weird and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, uh, you know, just here's some medicine, go, interestingly enough, here's some medicine, you know, go home and, you know, we don't really know what's wrong. I literally, you know, I had been throwing up for a few days and my kidneys felt like they were just exploding and my lymph nodes and like my body was just swelling. They finally admit me, long story short, really, because I could preach a whole sermon about this stuff, but like ended up going to the hospital, a few days go by, my lungs are failing, my kidneys are failing, my heart is failing, my liver is failing. All this is happening a month and some change after COVID. So they say, hey, Mr. Brown, we got to put you on a ventilator. And I said, for what? Even though my lungs were almost like, I mean, breathing was a really hard thing to do with that. I just remember asking them like kind of with a short breath, like for what? Like, and they're like, well, uh, there's a lot happening, but we have to say you need to call like your loved ones and stuff like say to them, hey, like I'm being put on a vent. So I did. I'm calling my family and my girlfriend at the time and blah, blah, blah. Next thing I remember is I'm in the Morgantown, West Virginia hospital four or five days later, hooked up to about every possible machine, including a life support machine. And they said, Hey, Mr. Brown, you're in Morgantown, uh, like Mountaineers, like, you know, like blue and gold. Like they're trying to like remind me of things. Cause I'd kind of been out of it for four or five days, essentially dead. I was dead at one point, I guess. 
they bring me back. They bring me back enough to put me on life support. And this life support is called ECMO. And I wake up and see these giant tubes in my legs. And I said, what is that? You know, I'd been sort of conscious before this day, but fewer, several days have went by and they said, well, that's your blood. And I said, what? And they're like, yeah, that I was like, what do you mean? And like, well, we had to take your blood out of your body, put oxygen in it and then pump your heart manually for you because it wasn't working. And that's why the rest of your organs were failing. And then that's the first stuff I remember was the mountaineer stuff and saying, why are there big red tubes in my hips? And I'm attached to every machine, man. It's wild. But I could go into pretty gruesome detail about the rest of that. But I mean, it it was a pretty scary thing. There was this thing called MIS-A, which was this adult variant of this multiple inflammatory syndrome where my organs were freaking out because of the antibodies that COVID made. And it just caused my organs to go into this state of shock where everything was just fl- like failing and inflaming and nothing could work. So they had to pump my body for me, basically. So now I'm here talking to you guys, man. It's been a wild ride since all that. I'll tell you that. Wow. You said your heart was not working. Yes. You mean, I mean, you don't have like, you didn't have like a heart transplant or anything, right? They just, they made it work again. They discussed that. I had to sign paperwork saying, Hey, if we're going to do this, like you're consenting to go ahead. And as someone who's, who was 30 or 30 years old at the time, I don't remember this because of the different sedation medicines and stuff that like they were putting me on to chill me out. Cause that there was a, there's several days, like even after I got sort of stabilized where it was touch and go, like you see, like in the movies where in the, in the, in like the TV dramas or the like hospitals where nurses are running and flying in there. That's, that was freaking weird to like see them panicking and trying to reverse whatever they were doing. And, um, I mean, have you guys like heard about people seeing like a white light or like, don't go towards the light. Like that's completely real. And I'll tell you guys this real quick that I remember after I got put on a vent and that's essentially, I guess when I passed for a second and then got brought back somehow, I need to ask my parents more about that. Cause I don't still don't know. I know what I saw, but I don't know exactly all that was happening, but I was in a completely infinite white space. As far as you could see, I wasn't touching the ground. I wasn't doing, I, I was there. I knew I was there. I, I could acknowledge that I was dying in this, wherever the heck I was, just this infinite white space. I could see my body, but I wasn't touching the ground. There was like, I hate to call it a ball of energy, but it was kind of that. It started off really close to my chest and it was like, it contrasted against the all white. So it was like gray or black or something and it started really close to my chest. And I sit, literally watched it go super slowly, way, way, way out into the distance until it wasn't visible anymore. And that's the last thing I remember before they said, Hey, Mr. Brown, like, you're in Morgantown. Welcome back. <laughs> so that that's a crazy. very real thing. I don't want to go back there because I don't want to die again. But <laughs> I want to know where I was because it was the most peaceful, beautiful place I've ever been. And I, I could not I could feel that. But I, it, there was like nothing at the same time. It was wild. That is that is crazy. Has it given you uh, has it given you new perspective on your music, on life in general? I mean, yeah, it has to. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how anyone could come out of that and and not, you know, people say like, you know, seize the day. And and I mean, sure, we mean that. But there's something about like knowing that this world is going to go on without every single one of us. And like, what the hell are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? Why are we not running thousand miles per hour towards the things that we love and care about and want to do like this is all going to be gone and that's not a bad thing that should actually be kind of inspiring like that should be the fuel to say like i want to go do that thing that i said that i was going to do two weeks ago because 
everything that I wanted to do with music or my friends or my family or whatever, like the thing that I had been putting off, like, oh, I'll call my mom tomorrow. Like it wasn't there anymore. Luckily, like now, like obviously I'm still here to, to talk about it, but like, what are we even afraid of? I mean, w- literally other than ourselves, like what, what's stopping us? Like, what are we afraid? I don't know. I don't know how to answer that yet. Other than just get out of your own damn way and go like, this is all going to be gone. And I literally got to see it gone. Going back to the mental health thing real quick. I remember praying to God at one point, like, please kill me somehow. Like when I was younger, especially when I was younger in high school and even early in college, like, and I was living in ways that was super reckless to like, I don't know that I was actively trying to die, but I didn't care at the same time. And I remember praying at times just being like, dude, I don't want to be here. God, like, can we just please like, I don't. And then you know, God was literally like, I'm going to take you about as close as you want to get. <laughs> and I'm going to show you that you really don't want to be there. You don't really want to die. So quit. Like, let's turn this around right now, man. Let's, let's, let's live while we're, while we're here, man. Let's go. That is wild to say, to say the least, but you're here. You're continuing <laughs> to make music. You, so you released the album right after that. Yeah. Most Did of you? it was done. But there there wasn't really a grace period. Like I got sort of better and I was like, I got to finish this. I mean, I I can't imagine. Like it was like we had poured a year and a half of our lives into that. That the album Let Me Know that came out last year. So it was made also by so many people. That was the premise of so many people in my life had said the phrase, let me know. And you guys have probably even said the phrase, let me know recently and like just said it nonchalantly but truly that's like a really powerful thing if you're authentic with it like hey let me know like how i can be of service to you let me know what you need or let me know like that's a powerful thing so i just can't imagine not finishing it then my friends were telling me they had made plans to get it published still and and all that because it was looking really bad and even arlo mckinley the guy that's on secret war like he had called one of my friends josh and was like we're releasing the song now we're gonna do like raise money we're gonna do all this and like Everyone was like going into action to make it was going to get done either way. Arlo McKinley, man, I really love that song. You, you, the whole album, I, I'll tell you, it's one of those albums you can listen to from beginning to end. And you can't really say that anymore about a lot, lot of albums. But you can put the first song on and listen to it all the way till the end. And all, every song is good. Every song is great. So I want to commend you on, on that album, man. I'm looking forward to the new stuff you have uh, coming out after medicine but just to talk about that album just to talk about your sound a little bit we had a guest on one of our first guests again he was from west virginia yancey burns he talked about growing up listening to biggie smalls he drove around west virginia listening to biggie smalls because biggie smalls talked about the struggle it was relatable to him a lot of appalachian music is about the struggle so it was a very relatable so when you're considering your sound, when you're talking about your sound, when you're talking about your own struggles in your music, how do you describe your sound? You know, there's so many uh, artists that are coming out. You mentioned out of Huntington, Charles Wesley God, Godwin. I'm a big fan. He, he, he's an excellent musician that's coming out of West Virginia. But also there's rap. There's punk coming out of Whitesburg, Kentucky. I know some rap artists, the Dreadhead said, coming out of West Virginia, Shalene, excellent rappers, hip hop artists coming out of West Virginia. So how do you describe your sound? Some people might not say Appalachian, but I say all this is Appalachian. Yeah, I mean, I think Appalachian just doesn't necessarily, you know, kind of like you're saying, there's more to than just banjos and mandolins and stuff like that. I mean, that's definitely 
definitely part of it, I'm sure. But I mean, I that's one of the harder questions to ask because I don't know that I fit in a square like you know necessarily. And I go back and forth with that. Like I don't know how to explain it to some people sometimes. And it's not that it's some wild thing, but I say like feel good rock and pop. Like it's gonna make you dance, but it's gonna make you think a little bit too. I also want to like maybe throw in another adjective of authentic because like I don't write song. It, it takes me so long to write songs because I want to mean every word <laughs> and I, I can't just put in fluff just because it makes it sound cool. Like it takes me so long. So it's like real feel good. There's a little bit of country in there sometimes, but there's also like a little bit of like Gary Clark Jr., a little bit of blues, like rock, uh, Arctic Monkeys, Cage the Elephant, like real alternative stuff. So I don't know, man, it's kind of, you know, I grew up on tapes of, yeah, I grew up on tapes of Michael Jackson and I, I learned the band Flyleaf. I learned their album front to back, like Screamo 2000s band. Like, so I, I mean, everything in between. <laughs> One of my favorite songs on the album, Better on the Ground. I, I think the lyrics behind it, but also it's just a great jam. But, but it reminds me of, you remember the group live? I don't know if I do off the top of my oh, head. Dolphins. Crap, what, what's the name of that song? He's old, Corduroy. Yeah, I am old, Corduroy. <laughs> but almost every one of their songs, if you heard some of their songs, you would know. But almost every one of their songs, it starts off real slow, and then it really kicks in, kind of like Better on the Ground. It just reminded me of that. But that song's really great. Secret War with Arlo McHenry is just badass. To My Younger Self, even Leave It to Me. It's just a great collection. How did, how did you come about collaborating with Arlo McKinley? I don't know, like the sound in general, going back real quick, is just a lot of people like say like, oh, you're like a Counting Crows, like 90s, 2000s. So that's another thing I try to throw in people like there's maybe a little bit. I mean, I grew up in the 90s, so that's probably probably there. But as far as the collaborations came, Arlo and I, um, I used to do help with like a bunch of his video work. Um, so like his live streams and some music videos. And we'd travel to Cincinnati to go hang out with them and have some, you know, good shenanigan times. We we get into some, some stuff. And uh, I remember asking um, his manager, Kibi, and then I ended up asking him and, and the idea just kept coming and it kept coming. And um, I sent him the track and I was, he was just like, dude, absolutely. So he had been, we'd try to schedule it a few times, but he was in Huntington and he was recording a bunch of sessions for these like sponsored streams that he was doing. And it was like 2 a.m. and he came to record and it was after a long day and it just, you know, he had written most of it. And um, he's another person that has, you know, struggled with mental health things and it's probably prevalent in his music too, but it just seemed like the perfect song. And um, I mean, we spent, we were up till four or five in the morning, man, just writing and doing harmonies and figuring that out. And that's probably my most streamed song, I think. And it almost, I almost didn't want to put it on the album. I don't, it didn't feel like it belonged. And I was like, no, actually, it, it has to be. It feels, I can't imagine it without Secret War on there. I've been chilling with my head held high. Nothing wrong but these untied shoes. I render out all the yellow lines. It's hard fighting me when you can't lose I've been adding up my mistakes Lampshades kept my lights undone So somehow I still find my way Eyes closed when I'm looking at the sun
music. I like your album. We talked about that, but I've never seen you live. How are your live shows? You go all out. You, uh, you know, correspond with the crowd. I kind of like that in an artist. How are your live shows? I don't like to brag, but I one thing I don't like about artists is when they don't connect with the crowd when they're just up there playing. So like, a, like oh, I our, can listen our, to your CD. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So our full <laughs> band shows are full on rock shows, but it's like every, it's like at the end of my goal every night, even if it's just acoustic, my goal every night is to be best friends with the crowd and everyone in there. Man, it's hard to do at times, but like, that's my, literally my goal is like, you know, I'm not up there shredding at a million miles per hour and I don't have pyrotechnics and I'm don't look all that cool, but I want to make it memorable as a connection. Like, holy crap. Like that guy came and like, we had a, we shared that show together. It's not just my show at that point. It's, it's about, everyone being there at the same time so that's something i'd take honestly take pride in more than anything is connecting with the crowd making it an experience for all of us not just me i can play music all by myself all the time but something about getting the crowd into it for even little silly stuff you know or just super super serious moments like at the end of every show at the in the middle of uh to my younger self if we if we close with that in the bridge I, li- I, I make everyone say, hey, I need you to turn to the person next to you or behind you or beside you. I need you to tell them these three simple things. I say, uh, say, I appreciate you. And the whole crowd, you know, we'll die the band down and chill it out. And the whole crowd will be like, you know, high five each other and say, I appreciate you and, and all this stuff. And that's how I leave it at the end is like, hey, that's the first time you've probably been told that today. And most likely that's the first time that person's heard it. So like and then we go back into the chorus real big and stuff. So um that's just one small thing that i do but i mean that's man i want to make a connection with the crowd big time yeah i think your music can fit right in you know all these festivals we're seeing pop up around eastern kentucky in west virginia you see the cole cheneys you see the tim goodens the you know people always talk about sturgill and your music this just the sound just fits right in it might not be bluegrass it might not be country but i, I feel like it fits right in with with that I was just going to say, take a second and tell our listeners where they can find you next. What's what's next for Corduroy Brown? Yeah, for sure. So we just got the website done. If you just corduroy-brown.com, that'll also obviously pop up. But for some reason, corduroy is this magical word that is hard to spell. So I'm going to give everyone a spelling lesson real quick. And this is another part of the live show that people just start yelling how they think corduroy is spelled. And it's always wrong. <laughs> it's just this funny thing. It's just like a meme at this point. So if you need to spell corduroy, and this goes for you guys too, when you're typing this out, whenever you post it, it's cord you Roy. And you'll never forget it that way. It will, you will never forget the cord and the U and the Roy. <laughs> that's the, that's the best way, but we're recording this in August, early August. Uh, I'm not sure when the air day is, but, um, or when it's going to be out for everyone, but it's been kind of an off month on purpose, man. It's been nice to take a few steps back because we have been going hard since March, every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, almost. And I also play with Holly Forbes, the girl that was on the voice. She got top 10 this year. So it's like, I haven't stopped. So August is a little chill, but we're getting ready to do a show at the Paramount in Ashland, Kentucky with Jeremy Short, Layback Country Picker, Holly Forbes, Sean Whiting, man, all kinds of different people for like Kentucky flood benefit stuff. And then the best way is just follow me, Cord, you, Roy Brown, anywhere that you have social media. I post about my shows at least every couple of weeks or something. It'll be all updated there. I was just going to say, I don't want to forget to ask you this question. We ask all of our guests this. So in tradition, uh, like Will said earlier, we're big on tradition, but we, we always kind of ask our guests to I just want to know what the first thing that pops into your head when I say the word Appalachia. Man, that's a great question. A bunch of things popped into my head, but I was trying not to filter it very much. 
I would say growing, progressing maybe even because traditionally this place is maybe a little backwards in a couple aspects. <laughs> it's cool to see the tides turning and, and people like making, at least I can only speak for West Virginia and mostly Huntington, West Virginia and Charleston, but, you know, making this place for everyone and not afraid to get out of past times and, and getting out of tradition. Like um, I would say growing or progressing. That's a great answer. One question we also ask everyone, our, our podcast is grounded on place and perspective. So place is really important to us, really important on the podcast. But we wanted to ask you just, you already talked about it, but just where do you call home? What makes it home for you? Yeah, Huntington, West Virginia is now my home. Like I said, I grew up in Chesapeake right across the river. But, and I hate this answer because everyone says this, but it's the people, man. Like there's just something about this place that I don't know that I have a right answer to that's kept me here. But, you know, this place is big enough, but it's not too big. And it's it's like, it's just, just right. I don't know. Like, I can't imagine being somewhere else yet. You know, and maybe I'll find that place one day. But like, if I were to move away, like I, I'm with you guys, like if I'm out of town, I'm like, man, I can't wait to get back. <laughs> and there's good people in every city, but it's something about this place that just, I don't know. It's It's where I've it's all I've known almost too. So that's, maybe that's what my problem is. <laughs> I want to ask you a couple of quick questions. So do you prefer coming from West Virginia? Do you prefer y'all or yuns? Oh, it's y'all every day. <laughs> yuns is like, uh, I heard yuns in Southern Ohio. So uh, like, I don't know if like you're super familiar with how like it's laid out down here, but like, like I literally live next to a town called South Point, right? So that's like the southernmost tip of Ohio, but you can see into West Virginia and it's right there. So, but I know I have family that has said like Yuns and I'm like, Where, what is that? And that was like out in Southern Ohio, out in some holler out there, but <laughs> whatever, you know, it was way out in the sticks, but that's also more of a Pittsburgh kind of thing, like a Yunzer right. thing. So it's always y'all. Gotcha. Biscuits or cornbread? Oh, biscuits every day. So Crackle Barrel or Tudors? Tudors because it's more convenient, but Cracker Barrel if you got time. All right. I guess what's one thing that you do or love about Huntington? Besides go to oh, Texas man. Road I was going to say, <laughs> I, I, I just moved uh, to another part of Huntington, and I'm like right next to Texas Roadhouse. It's kind of disgusting how much <laughs> I'm there. But, man, I mean, I feel like the standard answers are, you know, going to see – like, I, I mean, I have to say this not because I have to, but it's just what it is. Like the music scene here is wild. There are shows everywhere and there's a plethora of genres and now there's a bunch of venues and stuff. So like, I honestly love like even not playing. Like I love going to just watch bands I haven't heard of that are in town, like at Pullman square or over at the market or nine street live or whatever. Like, I mean, I, I love just being a fan, a, a crowd, you know, in the fan or far a fan in the crowd rather than even playing sometimes. It's just nice to see this. Like, I feel like I don't know if you guys listen to J. Cole, but he has a song called Middle Child, right? There's a there's a generation that came before me in Huntington that was like the AC 30s and obviously like Tyler and, and all those cats that have like paved the way. When I was in a band called The Dividends, I feel like we were making headway. And then you, you have like people like Shalim and um like Draven Rife and Sam Epling and um heavy hitters and all these new bands that are like holy hell like it, it's just endless and I love just to go see other people do their thing man that's one of my favorite things is how much there is to do now as far as music speaking of music and I won't ask you about a favorite group but do you have a favorite song what's your favorite song uh, one of yours what's your favorite song and then of outside time, of your own music do you have a favorite song my music's not my favorite music, if I'm honest. There's a band called Cage the Elephant. 
the song I want played at my funeral is Shake Me Down. Yes, Shake Me Down by Cage the Elephant. That's my, that is my, play it at my funeral song. That's a great song. What's the last concert you went to? Man, that's a good question. Because I don't know the last time I've like went out of town to like go see a show. But I do have Paramore tickets. I'm a big Paramore fan. Uh, They're going to be in Cincinnati. I went on, like, listen, Paramore, they did three cruises called the Parahoy. They did them in like 2014, 16, and 18. I went on every single one of them. I'm a big Paramore fan. So they're somehow coming to Cincinnati this fall. So that's going to be the next one that I see. I can't remember. They're like out of a, like, I don't want to call my friends shows, not shows, but like I'm talking like touring national acts. You know, I can't remember the last freaking show, man. It's been a long time. Well, Corduroy, man, we, we thank you for your time. We appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for the music, your advocacy, and all the work that you do. Yeah, man, I appreciate you guys as well for giving artists a, another way to promote and talk about. And it was good talking and shop with you guys. It really was. Absolutely. A lot of good stuff here. So appreciate your time and uh, looking forward to getting to your next concert, hopefully at the Worldwide Chicken Festival. There we go. Or anything <laughs> that way, I'll take it. <laughs> When's that next album coming out? Man, that's a great question. There's so many songs. There's like a five song EP that's recorded already. Now that I took a a little bit of a break in August, like I've been writing more songs. So I think it's just a matter of like getting them together with the band and kind of hanging out with them and letting them marinate. You know, we get some more eyes and ears on it and stuff. And I'm also sniffing around on a couple pretty doozy of some features for that next full length thing. So it's I want to I want to take my time on it as well. I might do one more single in 2022 and then start working on a full like a real full album again. Like I appreciate you guys listening and and sharing the music, man. Seriously. You bet. So. Thank you. Awesome fellas. Thank you guys. Corduroy, he was on his game tonight, dude. He had me, had me on the edge of the seat hearing about his and life-changing experience. A loss of life, life-changing, what I mean. Is that not really, a scary yet beautiful story? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I, I was just I was just kind of speechless, honestly. I was too. He, he was talking about the bright light. And literally I did, I did. coming back from the dead. Yeah, for real. But I also felt it incredibly encouraging of how open he is about his mental health struggles, you know, early, early in life and how he's overcome them and how he has come to talk about them. I mean, you know, we had the episode last week of trying to get over the stigma of mental health. And I think his mute through his music, through his platform, he's really doing that. Yeah, it's deep, deep stuff, Will. Hard to talk about. And uh, obviously, he does a good job of telling his story and also talking about his struggles. So I really appreciate him coming on. I know he's got some concerts coming coming up, but check out his website. Find his music. You can watch him live. Watch him live, as he mentioned on the episode. Yeah, Corduroy Brown. He gave you his website there. He gave you his details. So Cord, check you Roy. Yeah, he even told us how to spell his name. So again, really appreciate him coming on and is grateful for his time. 
So thanks again, Corduroy. And Will, I'm looking at you now. You know, do you have an app biz of the week for us, big dog? Me? Yeah, you? Uh, I do. Yeah, I got an app biz of the week. Corduroy Brown, you know, we had him on here as much about his music as we did about his mental health advocacy. You know, it goes in line with what, like I said, like what we were talking about last week in regards to access to mental health. And Corduroy just demonstrates of how you can advocate for that going through his own struggles but having this platform and talking about it so i wanted to mention a organization or a company out there that provides mental health services it's the appalachian community services in western north carolina they're actually an ncg care partner but they're the leading provider of mental health substance use and developmental disability services in the southwest north carolina regions they have several locations adults services, child services, substance abuse services, group services. I think they even have telehealth or telemental health services. So it's an excellent organization, excellent company providing for the Appalachian part of North Carolina. I just wanted to mention those because we talked about the lack of access to healthcare in general, but really to mental health services throughout the region. We mentioned several last on last week's episode, and I wanted to mention this company in Western North Carolina and just talk about how we can also maybe continue the discussion in future episodes. If we could have some of those actual clinicians on the show, maybe we can find a way to get some service providers on the show to talk about what they go through on a day-to-day, what they are trying to accomplish in regards to practicing throughout Appalachia. Yeah, well, I think that would be I think that would be great. Definitely uh, just speak where I live. A lot of a lot of people dealing with some mental situations that they need to they, they need help and there's no reason to not get it. So it'd be interesting to talk to a clinician for sure. Maybe we can set something up. We'll look into it. Thought that was a great episode. Again, we want to thank Corduroy Brown for being on the show, telling his stories, talking about his journey into music and his life in general. Yes, sir. Glad we got to discuss my chickens on this episode too, Will. Corduroy's llamas and your chickens. Yes, sir. (laughs) All right. Neil, I guess we can end it like we usually do. Till next time. Peace. It can be hard sometimes to have a good view on life And your mind's a game that you can't win And you wish that you weren't here And that you'd up and disappear Cause maybe you don't matter anyway When the life that you're living Is hanging by a thread And you're fighting from a hospital They say to say your prayers, but I'd sure like if someone came on in to wake me up and take me home. As I stand at heaven's gates, I'm asking God if it's too late to tell me it's too soon to turn me around.
Take me now, we can turn this around. I swear that I'll do better on the ground.